on today's episode. Board and retirement do not exist in my vocabulary. Personally, for me, life carries on as normal, except I've been invaded by a husband and a son. And so the idea of collaborating on a song with people from the Dominican Republic, from Cuba, from Peru, from uh, Mexico, probably would never have occurred to anybody before. Well, I want to say find the time, but it's actually I've just been really lazy. I've got the time. (laughs) um, I actually want to try and uh, write a book on youth coaching. I'm David Bevis and you're listening to Mexico Over the Wall, a podcast about Mexico from the other side. Welcome to this special edition of the podcast. I recently interviewed some former guests to see how they were doing during lockdown. So you're going to be hearing from Karen Allen in Mexico City, Robert Harrington in Puebla, Jane Ordaz in Irapuato, and Sarah Olivier in Cholula. I started off by asking Karen how she'd been coping. I've, I've kind of developed a, I'm sure everybody has, have developed a routine. And that routine needs, um, needs working on a little bit. I need to, to build in exercise and I need, to, I need to build in working on Spanish because I've got time to do it. But I've just, I don't know, the days fly by. Yeah, I mean, I hear I hear comments from some of my friends. They're bored. They don't know what to do. And I, I'm like, oh, oh, I've got so much to do. I'm like a, truthfully, I'm like, um, what would you say, a pinball machine? Ping, 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 ping. What do I do next? And then, yeah, I'm never no bored. Bored and retirement do not exist in my vocabulary. Here's what Rob had to say. Um, yeah, not too bad. Just uh, obviously, like everybody else. Um, just trying to trying to get on with this lockdown and uh, we'll try and keep things as normal as possible. Rob, I don't remember where you are. I'm in Mexico City. Okay, I'm in Puebla. All ah, right. Okay. Cool. I lived I lived in Mexico City for a fair while before, but um, yeah, Puebla I think is um, third place at the moment for um, coronavirus cases. Really? So um, yeah. So uh, so it's. Um, it's, it's been it's been fairly bad here, but where I am, like I say, we're in a vaccinamental, so we're sort of like very um, very tranquil and relaxed here, and uh, the rest of the family's been been staying put, and and I I just go out go out once a week to do the shopping, and um, yeah, so pretty pretty relaxed really. I guess your work, you haven't been able to do anything really, have you? No, no, no. So it's all been. Um, We've been working from home and uh, in terms of the coaching with the kids, uh, just sending them videos and doing online Zoom sessions and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's been, yeah, just, just basically trying to, trying to keep busy and, and trying to keep, keep, keep giving material to the kids to, to sort of keep them working and keep them interested, you know. So how has uh, the lockdown affected you, Jane? Well... Personally, for me, life carries on as normal, except I've been invaded 
by a husband and a son. So I was used to having the house to myself. So it's quite funny when I know some people are living alone, but that idea of isolation, I feel like I'm not isolated anymore. <laughs> like, where have all these people come from? So I guess mainly on a personal level at home, it's affected my working pattern and, you know, what I'm doing day to day and managing little boy that wants is having to do his schoolwork from home and arguing who's going to have the office next with my husband because he's trying to work from home so that's you know selfishly that's the main impact on me right now it's a shift isn't it and trying to keep that structure in your day where you make it look like a you know a normal day whatever a normal day is that's the that's the thing we're working on and not not getting too stressed by the fact that actually it's almost impossible to school a child at home and work it's not and it's impossible for a child to feel like they're at school when actually they're at home and it, they want to play really than do school things so so how's lockdown affected you sarah not much really because I've worked from home anyway and um, and I didn't really have much of a social life. <laughs> it was just sort of starting and now it's gone back to what it was before, which is a bit sad. But I've noticed because my daughter only started school last October, so she's not even done a full year. She's only three. And, um, and so for me, I've gone from having her in the house for three years to having her not in the house every morning, Monday to Friday, to having her back in the house again. So it it wasn't too much of a shock to me, but I have noticed the difference. I then asked what they knew about Mexico before they came here, starting with Karen. Well, actually, it's an interesting question, that, because I think, and this this sounds really stupid and naive, and I think I am pretty educated, but... I think I just viewed Mexico as a strip that that joined North America to South America. And it was never my plan to arrive here. I didn't even think of it. I didn't think of it to dismiss it. It just, uh, you know, I didn't think of Mexico. Uh, What about you, uh, Rob? Yeah, no, uh, I was, yeah, I was living in the the US. And um, yeah, equally, never never really thought about even coming on holiday to Mexico, maybe, maybe to Cancun or something like that but um uh yeah i had the i had the typical image of, of mexico being a really dangerous place and sort of being um being classified as a third world country uh, you know being very poor and people people riding donkeys and all that stuff I think for me, though, it was American films of Mexico. I assumed that Mexico was very yellow because that's how they're sort of portrayed in the films. It's very yellow. It's very dusty. Lots of old cars, um, you know, uh, guys with big chains and gold teeth. Uh, and if not sort of that sort of narco image, then you've got the the the, the guy with a big droopy moustache with a big sombrero sat underneath a cactus sleeping with his donkey next to him. What about you, Jane? I don't know, really. I can't think back. I guess I was always in love with the art. So, you know, Frida, Diego. So I always liked that tradition of kind of murals and resistance murals and the political side. And then I don't think I really thought about it a lot, to be honest, until I met a Mexican, <laughs> literally. And But I met them in England. So I had... 
I didn't really have a lot of preconceptions in a sense. And my first taste of actually coming to Mexico was coming to a very tiny rural town in the, the south of Mexico. And obviously hearing the stories that my husband tells me, because some of those stories that we hear are cliches, but they're also true. And now I'm living in a state that's actually quite dangerous. So it is, it is true and it has come very close to home for us. But I didn't, I didn't have a lot of preconceptions because I tend not to really, I try to think about them and not hold them as true because I know that those things often, often aren't true of, of what we're told. So, so I don't, I don't know that I really thought it wasn't on my radar a lot other than artistically until I actually met someone who lived here. And then I thought, oh, well, I better start reading and learning a little bit more. But I learned it from him, really, and his, his family, rather than from a secondhand source. So it was kind of narrated to me throughout our, the early days of our relationship, I guess. Has being interviewed for the podcast changed anything for you? Um, start with uh, Jane. Um, do you mean has anything changed since that podcast? Well, I've been working on launching a business, which I talked about in that podcast. So I've been doing more work around that. So I have a, a coaching business called The Menopausal Expat. So I'm kind of quite now it fired up that even more really. So I finished some of the prep work I was doing for that and finally made my face a lot more public. So actually doing your podcast was one of the first steps to doing that because I've been doing coaching work for many years, but I've always done it quite low key. And now I'm kind of having pictures taken and trying to be more, more visible, really, that I think sometimes for women it's quite hard to, to be visible and put yourself out there. So that changed. What about you, Sarah? Did anything change since, since you were interviewed? Yeah, I think um, the fact that I was trying to to start a sort of acting, um, singing career um, has been seriously put on hold in the sense that I can't do rehearsals. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I tried using um, an application to do an online rehearsal, but unfortunately, as I think Rob's experiencing the internet in this this country isn't always so great. Um, lag is is not helpful. So that's kind of um, stopped. But it's given me time to work on writing songs. I'm working with somebody else. So we sort of back and forth between WhatsApp. Um, I think that's sort of the, the biggest thing that it, it's, it's just put things on hold. Um, and the things that we talked about when I listened to it as well, and, and I, 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 saw, I said in the in the interview that I was focusing more on acting and and uh, singing, um, and really was going to put my English teaching on the back burner. And and what's happened is quite the opposite. In fact, I've actually had to focus more attention on the teaching English because that's the viable option. Although I have worked much more on social media, connecting with people. And I ended up connecting with people to do with music, made more connections that way. 
and was asked to sing on a on a compilation that was about coronavirus actually uh, written and produced in in the Dominican Republic and that's going out this weekend the video so we recorded the the voice we recorded the the video in my house me and my partner um, and then we sent it all to the Dominican Republic they're putting it all together people from all over Latin America um, that's something I'd never have been able to do because one thing I think in, in, that's interesting about the situation is it's had to push everybody forwards a little bit technology-wise. I teach Chinese students and they were already quite advanced in this. You know, they were already taking a lot of online classes. They were already ordering things online. They were already paying for everything using an app on their phone. And, and we're a bit further behind in Mexico. Uh, and, and I would say probably in Latin America. And so the idea of collaborating on a song with people from the Dominican Republic, from Cuba, from Peru, from uh, Mexico, probably would never have occurred to anybody before. So it's given me some different opportunities. Um, uh, Rob, I think you, you said to, in your interview you were thinking of starting up something new. Uh, I guess that's kind of been put on the back burner for the moment as well, or...? Yeah, yeah, that's on that's on hold too. Yeah, there's um, there's all, all the the football coaching obviously depends on the the kids that that that, that pay to to receive the training. So uh, yeah, it's absolutely nothing I can do at the moment. But um, what I am what I am trying to well, I want to say find the time, but it's actually I've just been really lazy. I've got the time. Sure, <laughs> it's um, I actually want to try and uh, write a book on youth coaching. Um, try and try and use this time in the house to to do that, and uh, maybe see if um, I can sell online. So that's kind of the, the the plan I've been thinking of. And Karen, you you said you were kind of thinking of of new projects. Did uh, did you have time to do any of that before lockdown came along? Or the thing is, I really, really, and I think this is good advice. To I really want to do something that I feel passionate about. Is you know. And what, what do I feel passionate about? Well, travel. Well, I'm here, so I mean, that's, that's tick that box. <laughs> and um, I love cooking. Sarah, you hit the nail on the head. It's about time. We're given time to do things. So I'm I'm actually experimenting this weekend. Actually, I've got two recipes that I want to well try improvise it let's it's i'm at altitude and that changes recipes somewhat so it's, it is a matter of trial and error but this weekend is i'm going to try crumpets let's see <laughs> and i want to try i found a couple of recipes for jaffa cakes what and yes 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 <laughs> anyway but listen 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 the the jaffa cakes apparently you make the sponge i can i can i can do that that's okay and i've got the chocolate but the orange layer what you do is you get an orange jelly and then to make it even oranger then you you either grate orange rind or orange marmalade, that sort of thing. So, so I, I actually sneaked, I did, I sneaked out to a, a supermarket the other day. I got up at the crack of dawn before anybody, and then you know I'm with my mask and whatever, and and I because I needed orange jelly, 
right? So this is, I think, I think hysteria is beginning to sink in because as I got to the 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 jelly section, right? When I was a little girl, like let's wind the clock back many many years to being like maybe eight, eight, nine years old in the primary school. And we had a skipping song, jelly on a plate, jelly on a plate, wibble wobble, wibble wobble, jelly on a plate, sausage in a pan, sausage in a pan, sizzle, sozzle, sizzle, sozzle, je- <laughs> sausage in a pan. <laughs> and so as I picked up my orange jelly, I was singing to myself, jelly on a plate, jelly on a plate. And I think that's hysteria. Yeah, it's time. As George uh, Pyman said to me once about something else, he said, Karen, I think you need to get out more. <laughs> so you you broke quarantine to get orange jelly. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking there to Karen Allen, who lives in Mexico City, Robert Harrington, who lives in Puebla, Jane Ordaz, who lives in Irapuato, and Terry Olivier, who lives in Cholula. I'm planning to change things up a little for the next part of this series, so keep posted for further developments. Over the course of this series, I'm going to be interviewing people from all over the place about their experiences of living in Mexico. If you live in Mexico and would like to take part, please get in touch by writing to feedback at mexicooverthewall.com. Please support the podcast by giving us a review, which you can do via mexicooverthewall.com slash apple for Apple Podcasts slash Stitcher for Stitcher, or leave us a review via your favourite podcast provider. You can also support us with hard cash by sponsoring us on Patreon. One of the benefits of sponsorship is that you can get extended versions of these interviews. Go to patreon.com slash mexicooverthewall for more details. That's it for this episode. Hope you liked it. See you next time.